Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. We're going to go to Hebrews 10, verse 23, and Romans 4, 19 through 21. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised, he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. It's homologio. It means to say the same thing. Let us hold fast to us saying the same thing that God has already said. The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Romans 4, 19 through 21. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And today I'd like to preach a message, a message entitled, Unwavering Faith. Unwavering Faith. Let me say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for your word, for your kindness. I pray, God, that you would continue to move in this service. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Abraham was from a family of hard-hearted rebels. And by that, I don't mean they were just, you know, a bunch of rough around the edges, rednecks or uppity, yuppities. What I mean by that is, well, rabbinical tradition says his father was one of the right-hand men in the kingdom of Nimrod. Nimrod was an antichrist of Abraham's day. The true and living God was Nimrod's number one enemy. So Abraham was raised in a family that was hostile towards God. The story of Abraham begins at Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees. This is south of Shinar where Babylon was located. The Tower of Babel was constructed nearby under the auspices of Nimrod. Nimrod was the world's first global dictator. Some ten generations removed from Noah by way of Cush, by way of Ham. But spiritually, Nimrod was of his father, the devil. Meaning, his thoughts and actions were sired by hell. He preached a message that went like this. God is bad. He destroyed Noah's generation, and he'll destroy us too. We've got to save ourselves from this abusive, capricious God. And the way we'll do that is we'll build a tower that reaches to the sky. And if he does flood the earth again, we'll be ready. We'll crawl up into that tower. Nimrod was defiant with fists in God's face. He disregarded three key facts. Number one, the obvious reason for the flood. It was to preserve the faith that remained on the earth in Noah. 
so that eventually the seed of the woman could be born into the earth. There would be a virgin Mary who would give birth to a son. The flood was all about the greater good, making sure that happened. Noah was the last man standing. I preached many sermons about that. Number two, a fact that he disregarded. God had already sworn to never destroy the earth again with a flood. So what is Nimrod doing? In effect, he is casting shade on the word of God. You can't trust God's word. The third fact that he disregarded is that after the flood, God had commanded Noah and his descendants to spread out across the earth. That was part of his plan and purpose to get the seed of the woman into the earth. Nimrod blatantly rebelled against the Most High and gathered all the people together at the Valley of Shinar and unified them around one common counter-purpose. Like the one who was influencing him, Nimrod was like a roaring lion roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. The text says as much, Genesis 10, 9. Nimrod was a mighty hunter. And that means more than just hunting animals. He was a hunter of the souls of men. And he was good at it. We've got some hunters in this church. Some of them are good at it. Others, well, you know, not so much, right, Teresa? <laughs> Nimrod sought to recruit the brightest and best, the influencers of his day. He would bait them. He would lure them. It blows my mind the way hunters work nowadays. Back in the olden days, you see, when I was a hunter, when I were a young warthog, I mean, we would go out in the woods. We would sneak. We would wear camo. We would wear orange also because there were other hunters that, you know, like you were in danger of other hunters. And so we would wear orange, but we would sneak and, and all that kind of stuff. And we would wait for deer to come by, and we would shoot them. Nowadays, people have farms of corn and stuff, like set up, like here's a buffet, you know, like here's, here's a smorgasbord for the deer. Here's deer co cocaine, right, made here locally, New Roads, deer cocaine, and the poor old deer gets addicted, right? He's licking, ah, I want that deer cocaine. The hunter just sets up by the, the, it, like by the dealer. He's a dealer to the, to the deer and sits there waiting on him. And blows him away, right? It's like a sting operation. I, don't, I didn't mean to get off on all that. But Nimrod would, would recruit. He would, he would bait and lure and then fill men's hearts with the hatred for and rebellion against the true living God that he himself had. And spiritually, he would kill them, knock them out, make them dead to the plan and purposes of God. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus talked about people like this. Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That was Nimrod. That was Nimrod. And then like hunters do, Nimrod, after he got his prey, I see this on Facebook all the time, especially now, now in this season, he would take a selfie with his kill, you know, Friend of mine went hunting, got a big old 10-point, already saw it, posted immediately from the field, you know. You would think there's no service. Oh, yeah, there's service everywhere now. Gets out there, kills the deer. First thing he does, takes a selfie, you know. First harvest of the season right here. Nimrod would do the same thing, take a selfie, take it to the taxidermist, get his stuff, hang him on his wall. Trophies in hell. 
And Terah, Abraham's dad, was nine generations removed from Noah by way of Shem. He was one of Nimrod's greatest trophies. He was even a high priest, the rabbis say, in Nimrod's false religion. And it was this man, Terah, this trophy of hell that raised Abraham. It was this man that Abraham called daddy. Think about that. I'm going to tell you, Abraham was next in line. He was destined to be like his father, like father, like son. He had the genetic predisposition, the influence of Terah in him. He had the mental and emotional predisposition, the influence, nature and nurture, influencing him, the influence of Terah. And he had the spiritual influence, the predisposition, satanic, demonic influence of Terah on him. Body, soul, and spirit, he was destined. But Abraham heard one word from God that tore him away from his perceived destiny, that pulled him away from the iron grip that Nimrod had on his family. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to tell you this. You don't have to go down the same path that your daddy went down. You don't have to go down the same path that your mama went down. All your aunts and uncles went down. Your grandparents, you don't have to go down that same path. Addiction, depression, dysfunction, poverty, rebellion. I don't mean any disrespect to others, but others in your family may have been trophies in hell, but you can be a trophy in heaven. Do you hear what I'm saying? One word from God can change everything. And Romans 10, 18 says that the call of God has gone into all the earth. And if you'll put on your listening ears and hear it, faith comes by hearing and faith changes everything. Faith brings God's blessing. Faith brings God's favor. Maybe previous generations in your family were victims, but your generation, listen, and the generations coming after you can be victors, not victims, and break the cycle. Think about that. Nimrod, the Tower of Babel, a worldwide false religion, Terah, Abraham's daddy, high priest in that false religion, fiercely devoted to the Antichrist of his day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? full of rebellion, full of the devil, and yet Abraham breaks away. I don't care how bad your background may be, you can come out of that. You can get one word from God that changes everything. Users, abusers, addicts, rebels, people who hate God, hate church, hate preachers, victims to the God of this world, in the embrace of the evil ones, top lieutenants in the army of the prince of the power of the air. But you can be different. Everybody say different. You don't have to walk that same road. You don't have to walk that same path. You don't have to walk that same journey. You and your kids and grandkids can be different. Joshua said, as for me and my house, baby, we're going to serve the Lord. you got to set some ground rules. You in this house, you going to church. I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but maybe some of you need to hear this. You need to set some ground rules for your kids. As long as I'm paying your bills, as long as I'm putting a roof over your head, as long as I'm putting food on this table, as long as I'm, I'm feeding, clothing, you taking care of, you coming to church every time the doors are open. Because as for me and my house, one word from God can change you, son. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joel said, the promise is not this Joel, but Joel, the prophet Joel said, as for me, no, that was Joshua. Joel said, the promise is unto you and your children. Some of you need to start claiming your children. Father, this promise is not just for me. It's for my babies. It's for my children. It's for my grandchildren. We will serve the Lord. They will be filled with your promise in Jesus' name. My sons, my daughters, they will prophesy in Jesus' name. You and your kids can be victors over the God of this world. Listen how it happened in Abraham's life. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? Oh, I got a surprise for y'all when it comes to that. It's coming soon. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, listen to this, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Now you can kind of see why, looking at the background of Terah, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There was first a separation from his country, from this kingdom of Nimrod, from this evil influence, and from his father's house who had embraced all of that and the attitudes that went along with it. Now, I'm going to preach for a minute here. You, 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 I cannot overemphasize the importance of separation. The Lord's been driving this into my spirit lately. I said it a couple Sundays back. I can't get away from it. Let me give you a couple points. Number one, you've got to separate to elevate. You've got to separate to elevate. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will welcome you. If you want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, welcome home, you got to separate yourself from some things of this world. you you got to separate yourself even from some people in your own world. you got to quit touching some things and touching some people. Uh, it's part of this world system. you got to separate. Uh, Revelation 18.4 speaks of this same Babylonian system of Abraham's day and says, and I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. In other words, if you don't separate, you'll share in the sins and you'll share in the consequences. Let me say this. The church has had an unhealthy desire to be accepted in a world that hates our Jesus. The carnal mind is enmity to God. There has always been, from the fall of man, warfare, spiritual warfare, enmity between the seed of the woman, that would be Christ, and the serpent, that would be the devil, the God of this world. Nimrod says, stay in among them and be like them. If you do that, you'll be like them. You'll... You'll embrace what they embrace, what the enemy wants humanity to embrace. But God says, Abram, get out of your country from your father's household. You've got to separate to elevate. You want a next step, 
the next step is you've got to walk away from some things. I know we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. I get that. Preach the gospel to every creature. And, and we do that here. We believe that. I mean, hardcore here at Life Point. But we are still commanded to be holy as I am holy and come out from among them and be ye separate. In other words, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? I'm not living to please this world. Hollywood, Nashville, the Democrats, hello, the Republicans. Uh, I'm living to please Jesus. And that's, that's going to affect the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I live, behave, what I do with my time, my talent, my treasure. This is good preaching, whether you realize it or not. This is good, Ron. This is good preaching. The, the Lord carves out a lane for us by the Word and the Spirit, and we're to run the race in that lane. Those guardrails in that lane are healthy for us. They mark us. They separate us, not just in the eyes of the rest of the world, but in the eyes of our God, in the eyes of the enemy, and in the eyes of the holy angels of the living God. Those lines force us to stand out, to make us stand. It's God's way of demarcation, marking us, bending us, humbling us. It affects our attitude, our spirit. It's called holiness. And don't knock it. With Nimrod, it's hated. With Nimrod, it's called legalism. Well, it's, I thought it might get quiet on this part. So what I'll do is I'll get my, my big plow out, you know. Get my big plow out. We'll plow just a moment here. It's called holiness. People say, nah, God doesn't care how you behave, what you do. That's legalistic. But with God, it's, it's called the beauty of holiness. There are some things I do. There are some things I don't do. Now, what I do because of what God's done for me is not earning anything. He paid it all. But what it is doing, like I preached recently, is positioning myself to please Him and to receive from Him. And to, to, to God, I'm, I'm not wanting to do this to earn anything. I'm wanting to do this because of what you've done for me. There's a difference in the thinking. I'm doing it in response to your overwhelming love and mercy. I want to behave in such a way that you can use me thoroughly and completely, Lord. I want to be used by God. How many of you want to be used by God? you got to separate to elevate. You have to. Smoking dope, getting drunk, crunk, sleeping around, party, play, watch whatever I want to watch, wear whatever I want to watch, do, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, do whatever I want to do. No, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, baby, and I'm not for sale. This body is a temple of the living God. Give him some praise right now. Woo! It's separate to elevate, but it's not just don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that. And there are don'ts. Don't knock the don'ts. Everybody has don'ts. I've been criticized. Why you don't do that? I'm like, you know, would you have a problem with your pastor? Oh, Lord, I'm meddling. Valerie's not here. It's dangerous. Dear God, help me, Lord. Is this being recorded? 
you know, why you don't do that? You're always concerned with the don'ts. No, I'm not. But I'm, a con- I'm concerned with a few of the don'ts, you know. You know, I mean, like, what if I, you know, hey, when I was a rock star, I wore guy liner. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? How would you love your pastor where, you know, I get the shadow, I get, he's got the shadow eyes, you know. He's got that, those shadow eyes. You'd be like, don't do that. Why you tell me not to do that? You know? There's some lanes I, I've learned to walk in. Some lanes I've learned to walk in that, that are good for Donovan, y'all. You don't know my weaknesses. You don't know my troubles. These, are, these lanes are good for me to walk in. I'm not complaining. His commands are not grievous to me. I'm like, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for loving me and giving me these words, Lord, that are helping me accomplish what you've called me to do. you got to separate to elevate. You want God to use you? Find those lanes. I'm not my own. But it's not just don'ts. It's a list of do's. There was a separation. Listen, leave and go to a land that God said, I will show you. It's a journey. It's a process. For, there, for us, there are things that I now do that I used to not do. I pray. I read the word. I go to church. I fast. I resist sin rather than just yielding to it constantly. I discipline my life. And the result of being separated from the world and separated unto God is a greatness of purpose rises up in me. And, 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 and I, I, I raise up an entirely different generation behind me. There's greatness, a great nation, new descendants, a new household of victors, not victims, a great name, a new reputation, powerful, favor, favor with God, favor with man, feared in hell. You study it out. That's what happened to Abraham. Think about that. Abraham went from Nimrod to divine favor from the almighty God, from antichrist to the true and living God, from ashes to beauty. Do you hear what I'm saying? From mourning to laughing, from bondage to freedom, from victim to victor, from generations of victims to generations of victors. It's amazing when you line up. Don't do that. Do this. Greatness. Destiny is fulfilled and accomplished. Now, Abraham wasn't perfect by any means, but he was moving in the direction that God led him. I want to fast forward, and this is the point of the message. Really, the, 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 this is the thrust of it right here. This is, you, you got to understand, man, this has been a difficult uh, 48 hours, and, and uh, especially the, uh, just the last 12 have, have been un, unbelievable dealing with Penny. I want to fast forward 24 years into Abraham's journey. Listen very carefully. It was at this time, he's been following the Lord since he was 75. He's 99. He had Ishmael. He had a son. But at 99 years of age, at this time, when all hope was gone, literally Physically, physiologically, it was absolutely impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a son. Impossible. There was no hope. Everybody say hope. The Bible says it. There was no hope. And yet, they had a son. 
A 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman had a son. No wonder they named him Isaac, which means laughter. It's hilarious. It's very funny. There was only one thing Abraham had left to hold on to before Sarah got pregnant. One thing. And that was simply his confession. Which brings us back to our readings. Romans 4, 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised He was also able to perform. Now notice, there was something that took place. I've preached it many times. The thing that took place was his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. He had self-identified starting at 99 as I am Abraham. God has called me Abraham, which meant father of multitudes, father of nations. Abram meant father of height, father of stature. Abraham was exactly what God called him 24 years earlier, father of multitudes. So this 99-year-old man, 99 years of living, 99 years of everybody being accustomed to his name, being Abram, had to re-self-identify. No, you will not call me Abram. I am Abraham. Who are you? I'm, I'm Abraham. Abram, no, I'm Abraham. This stubborn insistence to hold fast to the confession of his faith. I am not Abram. I am Abraham. When all hope was gone, when there was no chance and nothing to hold on to, and all he had to hold on to was his confession of faith, he began to learn to not waver. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Strengthened in faith, giving glory unto God. He was learning to not waver at God's favor. How did he do that? He held fast. He held fast. I thought you were Abram. Abram, just give up that stuff about your new name. We're all used to calling you Abram. We got to go to the attorney, Anthony. We got to get everything re-signed, all the docs redone, all your powers of attorney, all your, everything's got to be changed. You're changing your name. It's a big process. I don't care what I got to do. God said, I am Abraham, and that's who I am. He held fast. When everything was gone, all hope was lost, all he had left to hold on to was God's word in his mouth. Did you see that? That's all he had left. Here's the second point. I told you there were two points. You got to separate to elevate. And to receive favor, you cannot waver. It's called unwavering faith. When all hope was gone, when Abraham was in a total jam, Wiped out, finished, wasted, powerless, paralyzed, impotent, unable to perform, disabled. All he had left was what God had said. 
And he made what God said become what he said. Homologous, confession, saying the same thing God's already said. And within 90 days, Sarah was pregnant. Notice, his confession strengthened his faith. It said he was strengthened in faith, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened. When it was least likely for him to be strengthened in his faith, he was strengthened in his faith. Well, man, all hope's gone. Yeah, but God said, well, there's no way we can pull this off. I can't write a check. I can't ask Uncle John. I can't do uh, All hope is gone. Yeah, but God said, this is what God has said about me. He was strengthened in his faith. And it says that he gave glory to God. He was praising God in advance for something that was yet to be manifested. In other words, this is powerful, y'all. The most powerful kind of praise and worship is when you praise him before the manifestation of the promise takes place. And what it did was it brought about more faith. What it brought about was strength. The Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive. When all hope was gone, he just kept saying, this is what God has said about me. Some of you are struggling with addictions, and you're like, I'll never break this addiction. That's not what God says. Well, I'm at the end of my rope, man. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know my struggle this week. I don't care. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That is my confession. Well, I'm about to go into rehab. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on. That's where strength comes from to take the next step. Give him praise for your freedom. Thank you, Jesus. I don't see the promise yet, but I praise you. I don't see the healing yet, but I praise you, Lord. If I wake up in glory, then I'll say thank you, Jesus, for healing me on this side. But I'm not letting go. Stand with me. I'm not letting go. My kids, it's worse than ever. Things have gotten worse than ever. I don't see how in the world. I don't care. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The promise is not just for me, but my sons and daughters will prophesy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you have nothing left but your confession, hear me. That's enough. That's enough. Make this up. Yeah, but God said. Put your listening ears on. What's God saying? Oh, God, yes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I'm holding on to my confession. That's enough. I don't want to play with your emotions, but I do want to tell you this. It was amazing. And I'll share this with you. Uh, Penny went on hospice, didn't understand the full implications of that. I mean, it's free meds, it changes the game, you know. She was kind of excited about that. But then when people started gathering around, family coming in, it freaked her out a little bit. Like, listen, y'all, I'm I'm okay, I'm going to be all right. And then she started getting nervous. And then, man, like, it, it went downhill. And, uh, Last night, we're gathered around, we're at their house, 
She's laying in the bed. She can't get comfortable. She's struggling for every breath. So difficult to watch something like that. But y'all know our penny. We sing that song, you know. It's your breath in my lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. She had a little breath in her lungs. She took the oxygen off her nose, put it in her mouth. It was every breath was a struggle. And she would go, when she would kind of come in and out of consciousness, she would say, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll give you praise, my Jesus. There's a praise on her lips. It was so powerful. Showing us not only how to live, but unless a miracle takes place, how to die. With your praise on my lips, a confession of faith in my mouth, hold fast to the profession of your faith. See, Penny has a testimony. She worshiped at the altar of Nimrod years ago. But God in his mercy pulled her out, rescued her. She sings with every breath she has the praises of her king. Let me ask about you. Is all hope gone? You still have your faith. It's precious. It's more precious than gold. Tried in the fire. Peter called it like precious faith. Jude said it's precious faith. You just hold on to that confession of faith. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trusting what you said about me, not how I feel, not the way it looks. I'm trusting you and your word. I'm not like Nimrod. I don't cast shade on your word. Lord, I trust you. I take you fully at your word. you got plans and purposes for me. Can you close your eyes with me right now? Lift your hands to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Unwavering faith. Somebody needs to hear me. You've been wavering. You've been questioning. You've been doubting. You've been wondering. It's time to put all the doubts to rest. God, you've called me. I'll answer. I'll walk in the lane. You've called me to walk in. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll I'll do all that you want me to do. I'll separate myself. It may distinguish me in ways I never saw possible. But, Father, if your will is done, so be it on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Don, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.